Hey, hey, Sedano and LZ with you here on 710 ESPN. And LZ, I think we did it. I think we did the thing. Like, normally you and I bring a lot of good juju, okay? Yes. Um, to the teams here. And historically, that has absolutely been the case in our time here, almost five years in Southern California. Um, but last night, we definitely jinxed it by, like, literally, we said, eh, whatever, they're just so good, it's boring. Like, wake me up when the playoffs start, that kind of stuff. And then, of course, they go out there and lose. It was, I mean, to the point in which yesterday, I was like, here they go again. You know, I'm watching, but yeah, why? Up 19, right. Up yeah. 19. I was literally saying to myself, here we go. I'm, I'm staying in touch with what's going on, but why? Yeah. And then, uh-oh. Well, it is funny because <laughs> as I was watching the game and I was like, I was like, yeah, you know, like, it's kind of like, and I think, Greg, you mentioned this yesterday, right, where you were watching it and, like, sometimes you're, like, you start watching it, but then you're, like, on your phone, right? Like, you're doing other things, right? Yeah, I was I was started to do it yesterday when they were yeah. up by 19. And then all of a sudden, and, and so I was watching it in the office. I, I stayed in the office to do some work, and um, I was, like, sitting there, you know, glancing at it, whatever. I did definitely watch the end of that Milwaukee game uh, with Brooklyn and that terrible court in Brooklyn. But with the Laker game, I'm watching it. I'm watching the beginning, and I'm in and out. And I'm like, whatever. And then the third quarter, up 19, LZ. I did mm -hmm. it. I was just like, I, no joke. I'm not even kidding when I say it. I put my feet up on the desk, right? And I grabbed with my right hand, I grabbed the mouse, and I was like, all right, I'm just going to do some reading right now. And uh, so I'm doing some reading, and I've got the game in the background. Volume is a little low. And then all of a sudden, I see um, – I see the game is within single digits. Whoever was doing the game yesterday, was it Harlan yesterday? Yes. Uh, it was, you know, I don't really pay oh, no. Brian Anderson. Brian it was Brian Anderson. Anderson. Right. And he said, I hear him say, the Warriors are within single digits. And I was like, oh, maybe I should look up. <laughs> and that's it. And, that, and then everything went downhill, basically, from there. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. You know, and and I don't know. Maybe I'm still too arrogant as a Laker fan. Maybe I'm too uh, cynical as a you know longtime NBA reporter and fan. But I found absolutely nothing I could take away from that loss, even though it was a disappointing loss. It was only disappointing because the Lakers decided to let them back in the game, not because the Warriors decided to work their way back into the game. I don't agree with that. I think it was a little bit of both. I think the Lakers absolutely left, uh, you know, took their foot off the gas, right? Like, I'm not, I'm not disputing that portion of the equation. But I do absolutely believe that the Warriors also rightfully got the result that they wanted and deserved because they, they were playing harder than them. Um, I you don't know, think you you can't let your foot off the gas when Steph Curry is on the other side. I, I don't well, care you, who you are. Well, you shouldn't let your foot off the gas, period, in any game. 
Um, whether it's football, as we saw in the Super Bowl with the Falcons and right. Brady, where they decided to stop being aggressive. Or, you know, I can't tell you how many times as a college football fan of Michigan, them build a lead and then play not to lose as opposed to play to win. So I think any time any person or any team takes their foot off the gas, they are exposing themselves to an upset or to a comeback. To your because point. it's hard to turn the light back on. To your point, um, we were watching these football games this past weekend, right, to kind of equate it to what happened to the Lakers yesterday. And Patrick Mahomes gets hurt, and he's in concussion protocol. He's out of the game. Chad Henney comes in, and Andy Reid, you know, no matter what people thought, right, he put his foot on the gas. He said, Chad Honey, you are going to throw the ball down the field. You're going to do things like we would if Patrick Mahomes was back there. Now, People were probably wondering out loud, uh-oh, was that a good idea when he threw that awful interception in the end zone? I mean, zone? what did he see? Right. And then, <laughs> and then, uh, but that didn't change his demeanor. Andy right. Reid continued to call the game aggressively. And you, listen, you've been covering sports, you know, as long, if not longer than I have. How many instances would you have seen there where a coach would have, would have basically run the ball there, right? And tried to right. just get out of that game. And that's, to your point, you can't take your foot off the gas no matter what. Exactly. I mean, at the end of the day, and I know this is about the Lakers, but when it comes to the to, to football, if your backup quarterback isn't someone that can keep the ga- foot on the gas, then you need another backup quarterback because that person is only going to set you up for failure. Go back, and I know, again, I know this is a Lakers conversation, but just is just another local example. Go back to that game where Carson Wentz got hurt at the Kahlo, and they brought in Nick Foles. Right. And there was a third and long or something like that. No, it was a, it was a, it was a third and short, but I had just assumed they were going to run, come up short, and just punt and let their defense win the game. And Nick Foles came off the bench and threw the damn football. Right. And I was just like, well, what the what? And, oh, by the way, they went on and won the Super Bowl, right. which reminded you that scared money don't make money. Correct. So the, so the Lakers, you know, the loss came not, in my opinion, so much because of what the, the Warriors were doing, though to their credit, the Warriors, when they were down 19, did not stop playing hard, to your point. Mm-hmm. But the reason why they lost the game was because they took their foot off the gas. It was a great lesson to learn in January because you don't want to learn that lesson later in the season when the games really matter. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there will come a time where that will be the case. And and you don't want to – you want to be able to overcome those obstacles. And look, man, like I, I, the Warriors are a prideful team, LZ. They may not be as talented as they once were, uh, especially without Clay, But, you know, they're – Steph Curry and Draymond Green have won three championships. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like, you cannot overlook them. And I know Draymond only scored whatever it was, four, five, six points or whatever it was, but he made really big winning plays down the yep. stretch, whether it was a couple of baskets he got at the rim, uh, some passing, certainly his defense. And then Steph scored, I believe, eight points in or ten points in that fourth quarter. So, like, those guys are more than capable. Like, you got to understand. And – Let's be real here. Be honest with me. Mm-hmm. LeBron was so mad at the end of that game. He was yelling at KCP for passing up an empty, uh, uh, an open three. And he hates losing to Steph, right? Even now, still hates losing to Steph. Yes? Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Like, 
there are I, you could tell there are teams where he's disappointed or irritated if they lose to him, but then there are other teams where it's a definite hate. And certainly, and I, and if I'm from him, and I've never spoken to him or anyone in his inner circle about this, but from the outside looking right. in, he has to feel as if some of those championships were stolen from him because they went out and got KD. And knowing that if it was just him and his squad versus that 72-9 and nine squad or whatever, and they just went back at it over and over and over again, that each time he would have came out on top. But right. The or at least had like one more. Code. Right. At least right. had one more. Yes. Right. So I'm sure he hates, he hates losing to him. But, um, again, no one's going to remember this game, just like we don't remember any of the teams for the most part that the Bulls team lost to. Um, on their way to their, you know, record season and championship. So I'm not really sweating this, though I do apologize to Laker Nation we did it, for yeah, my we, comments yeah, that yeah. fed into negative juju and yeah. obviously cursed the team last night. Yeah. I am now cleansing. Hushush, hushush, hushush. This is me burning sage. I am now cleansing What are you, Kyrie? Team. You know, I mean, it worked for Kyrie. They didn't lose to the Celtics, did they? So hajush, hajush, hajush. I am burning sage. I am casting out all the bad juju that was put upon the Lakers because you and I were bored by them winning by so much so often. We want to go back to what it used to be, not what we cursed it and what it became. Yeah. By the way, this portion of the show is presented by Alignment Health Plan, changing healthcare one person at a time. Kirk Morrison is going to join us to talk about the Rams and the AFC and NFC Championship game at 440, so stick around for that. But coming up next, there were some comments at the end of that game, LZ, uh, from LeBron, uh, from Anthony Davis, from Frank Vogel and the like that, I don't know, kind of piqued my interest uh, about the way they perceive the game, and maybe mm. I, may, maybe I'm, I, I'm just seeing the game a little different, uh, the way that thing unfolded, because they clearly saw it uh, one way, and I don't think I saw it the same way. So we'll have that for you coming up. Stick around. You'll hear from LeBron uh, in just a moment. Sedano and LZ here on 710 ESPN. Back in. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Sedano and LZ with you here on 710 ESPN. So LeBron, after the game, uh, we'll have this down for you in a second, um, said something that kind of stood out to me. I was like, hmm, I don't know if, I buy, if I'm like feeling that one. Um, so we'll have that for you here in just a moment, so stick around. But LZ, this struck my attention because um, Darius Miles and my pal Quentin Richardson do a podcast together called The Knuckleheads. Remember, because when they played with the Clippers, they used to do the thing where they used to hit themselves yep. in, the, in the head or mm -hmm. whatever. Um, so they just had Carl Malone on their podcast, and Malone said this of Zion Williamson, and this is a criticism that you and I have talked about uh, together. It is a criticism that we've talked about uh, that other NBA greats have said about him um, and alumni, et cetera, et cetera. But Carl Malone said this. He needs to be averaging 40 minutes a game. You're 21 or 22 years old. Your ass shouldn't be getting tired. His conditioning, and, and look, we just saw him play in L.A. twice last week. His conditioning is a real thing. He's built like a defensive tackle. Like it's like if Aaron Donald, right, was a uh, was a basketball player and had crazy hops like that. And 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 I think that if that was even if it was Aaron Donald, we'd still be saying like 
yes, you don't have the traditional basketball body, but there needs to be a happy medium here. And and I've done a lot of stuff on on Zion over the years because the last two years because I've had a lot of their games. I've talked about. Uh, the way they're working with him. I had that report last Christmas about how they're, quote-unquote, reteaching him how to walk, uh, right, to kind of help the kinetic chain and all that. But ultimately, and I know it's tough because he's only 21 years old or whatever it is, but he's got to understand that this part of, of of being a professional matters, that the the conditioning part of it is a thing. It, it, is, a, it is a thing. And while he can certainly drop pounds – and get cut up because we saw him a little cut up. Um, that's a byproduct of you being long and having a high metabolism. That is not a byproduct of you being in shape. And I'm not saying that he doesn't take this profession seriously. I'm sure he does. It was his lifelong dream, and I'm happy for the young man that he achieved it. But conditioning for a basketball court in a professional basketball game is so much more. And with his age, you know, Carl Malone and everyone else who criticizes conditioning are, are completely correct because at this stage in his life is when a 40-minute game is supposed to be nothing. <laughs> you know, it's supposed to be – and I know it's not the same thing at, by any stretch of the imagination. However, certainly many gym rats remember being in college and playing basketball full court for six, seven hours, going to the going to the cafeteria, eating a full plate of meal, and going back to the court and balling out some more because our bodies just had so much energy and our metabolism was so high and it was energy for days. And it's like going, dog, that's us as college kids with no professionals helping us train to become the best physical self we can be. That's just running on pure youth. So it's like take that youth, apply it to all the wisdom that's in that franchise, and get your ass in shape. You're already pigeon-toed, and you're already, you know, a power player, but you're undersized. So you're putting an incredible amount of pressure already on your knees and your ankles and your hips, and while you may be able to go and play ball for 30-some minutes a game and not feel it today, it won't be very long, 25, 26 years old, before that catches up to you and you start to feel it already. So this isn't just about getting yourself in shape for today. This is about prolonging your career for the long haul. Right, and he's supposed to be the guy who's going to be the next face of the league, and I think that that's something that has concerned people because of that, right? Like, I think that's one of those situations. Uh, speaking of the current face of the league and LeBron mm -hmm. James, um, so they lose to the Warriors yesterday, and, and look, there were a lot of things said. I don't want to say I don't want to make this out to be like this is the only thing LeBron said after the game because I know that LeBron talked about a number of different aspects of the game yesterday and how mm -hmm. there were a number of reasons as to why uh, they may have lost that particular game yesterday. But nonetheless, I I did see one thing that stood out. Okay, that LeBron said because again, LeBron said him and AD were out of rhythm. You know, Vogel talked about they were outplayed in the second half. Um, you know, Anthony Davis reassuring us they, that they were a good team. But the Lakers didn't score LZ from the 813 mark. I'm, I'm talking about a basket. They scored free throws. Mm -hmm. But the 813 mark to 124 in the fourth quarter. So almost seven minutes they went without a basket. And LeBron made these this one set of comments that I was like, I don't know if I feel him on this. Um, but let me – I'll let you hear what he had to say in regards to one of the reasons they lost yesterday. Go ahead. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I seen, I seen him on replays, and uh, you know, it's the move I've been making pretty much my whole career. And if that's okay, stop, that's Curtis, the, stop, the, the stop, 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 stop. I, I thought that it, he would actually that we'd have the question in there. So the question, LZ, was, mm-hmm. you know, what did he make of the calls down the stretch? And he's talking specifically about the travel call that he feel he felt was egregious. Um, now let's hear it. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I seen, I seen him on replays, and uh, you know, it's the move I've been making pretty much my whole career. And if that's, if that's the the, the call that's going to be called travel, then I would like to see it across the whole board. Uh, you know, every game and it consistent like that. I mean, it's so funny because the very next play, uh, you know, Draymond gets into the lane and, and slides his foot, and it's not called. And the same official who called me for the travel is right there on the play and told me he didn't travel. So. Um, that's definitely, uh, uh, you know, something that I, you know, I got to be more, you know, leery about, but I have not been caught uh, for travel like that in, in my career. Okay. Now, that wasn't the exact sound that I was looking for, but it, it probably stemmed from what I was expecting because LeBron said, quote, we had some tough calls against us in the second half, said it slowed the game down for them. That was the actual quote I was looking for, less so about the specific travel. Um, now forget the travel part for a second. This quote, we've had some tough calls against us in the second half. It slowed the game down. How do you feel about that? Look, dog, you took your foot off the gas. (laughs) I mean, just own it, right? You took 13 more free throws than the Golden State Warriors. 13 more free throws than the Golden State Warriors. You hit nine more free throws than the Golden State Warriors. You only get to the free throw line if the referees are making calls in your favor. So while he may have been disappointed by one call, the idea that the course of this game was in the hands of a whistle or hands of a referee versus his hands or Anthony Davis' hands or the hands of his team, no, I'm with you. I'm not rolling with that. You know, you shot 48% from the field. You and AD both shot a combined, what is this, 12 for 32? That ain't the refs, dog. <laughs> like, like, just own it. We got up a big lead. We've been winning by 20 regularly. We thought this would be another situation where we win by 20-plus, and we forgot that the Warriors are still the Warriors when Steph is healthy. Won't happen again. Next question. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I felt that that was true. And, and I think that some of that is, I know he's mad at the refs. I'm not disputing that. Um, because he, he did feel like that move is something he's done on his whole career. And honestly, I was surprised what, that it was called too because of what he illustrated, right? Because it really is kind of one of his pet moves. Um, but, I, you know, when you, when, when you expand that out to there were some tough calls and it feels like it slowed us down, that part of it is just like, I'm with you. It's like, that just – he – I know he's trying to make a point, you know what I mean, But to, to the officiating crew, but I just – I feel like that takes away from what really happened in the game, to your point. Yeah, which is you gave up 67 second-half points. Right. You give up 67 points in a half, you're probably going to lose. That's a lot of points in a half in today's NBA. So it's like the defense took his foot off the gas in the second half. The referees – Got you to the free throw line 33 times. 
33 to 20 is the number between the Lakers free throw shooting and the and the Warriors. So I I tend to feel that maybe um, he's focusing a little too much on one call and not on the fact that, you know, they just took their foot off the gas. They out-rebounded them, you know, 50 to 32, including 12 offensive rebounds. I mean, so they were beating their asses. (laughs) They just stopped beating them. And and, And the Warriors, to their credit, never stopped playing hard. Yeah, and so ultimately, I, you know, it, it just was one of those that I'm like, mm. like he said it. I was like, come on. <laughs> like, but, I, but again, at the, at the end of the day, I don't think any of us are going to remember this loss. No, I'm with um, you. I, I'm with you. And by you the know, way, like, 19 mm-hmm. points, uh, that, that blown lead, the largest in any game which LeBron has played for the Lakers. Like they've blown leads, but nothing like that. You know, no, it was, and, and, it was, le- and we know that the Clippers fans are out there going, see y'all making fun of us, huh? All the time. How'd it feel today? This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better with the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country. There's no competition right now. Get $5 off any eight corner pizza with code eight save. That's the number eight S A V E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. I'm pretty sure, I hope that Clippers fans aren't saying that. Oh, you know they are. Because it's one thing to blow a regular season game in January as opposed to blowing a whole series in May and June. So yeah. Well, they've done both, so there's that too. Uh, <laughs> all right, coming up next, what is going on between Jared Goff and Sean McVay, plus a look at the NFC and NFC AFC title games. Our buddy Kirk Morrison's going to stop by. He'll join us in three minutes. Sit down on LZ with you here on 710 ESPN. Our buddy Kirk Morrison joins us here now. Make sure you check out his podcast, the Total Coverage Podcast, where you find wherever you find your podcast, Google, uh, Apple, uh, Spotify, Wherever you find him, he's there. Uh, This week's guest will be left tackle of the Buffalo Bills. We're headed to the AFC Championship game, Deion Dawkins. So Kirk joins us now here. Of course, you can catch him on all our Rams coverage and a friend of this particular program. Um, So, Kirk, um, Steve Weiss is going to join us at 6 o'clock at the NFL Network. And he had an interesting um, story about the relationship between Jared Goff and Sean McVay. And he said his source said that they may need a little marriage counseling. Now, I, <laughs> I hear you laughing. Now, look, Sean has been very honest about Jared's play this year, and I don't have a problem with it. And he was, you know, somewhat committal, yet also somewhat noncommittal about the future of that position. He said all the, every position will be, uh, you know, everybody's going to have to fight out for their spot, uh, but he is the quarterback for now. Or as LZ said, what is it, LZ? He's the quarterback for what? Now. Right, but it was, it was, it was, he kind of he kind of like he, at the end he kind of did one of those. Yeah, but it was. Uh, but for now, Kirk, what it, what do you make of that dynamic right now? Well, I think it's uh, you can't cover uh, any longer if you're Sean McVay. Um, he's a guy who's always stood up for his players. We know that, and he is never going to say, 
um, that a player is not playing up to the standard, right? It's always about, hey, I got to be a better coach. I got to be able to get this person into better situations and all that. But after a while, we're saying, yeah, you're doing that, coach, but now it's the performance of the player. And we can clearly see it. That's not on you, that's on the player. So you can't hide it as much. And then, what happened in week 17 when John Walford came in and was able to run your offense and win a football game, that also made it look like, okay, do you need to reevaluate the quarterback position? And honestly, that's what you have to say if you're a coach, right? They did win a playoff game, but you have to evaluate that position. You have to evaluate all the positions because this is going to be a different year for the Rams going into this offseason, right? Jared Goff, we know what his contract looks like, but we got to remember – you still have some guys in free agency that you have to figure out how do we pay these guys. Is Andrew Whitworth coming back? So, yeah, you got to evaluate every position. And remember, the salary cap, fellas, it will not be above $200 million because of the pandemic. We know it will be a, a little bit less. And with that being said, you know, where do you cut corners at? Where do you invest most of your money? But right now they're tied to Jared Goff. But I think one thing that could help in this situation, we're talking about marriage counseling, right? I think what could work right now or could be the help is that Sean McVay blocked his offensive coordinator, Kevin O'Connell, from joining you know, Coach Brandon Staley with the Chargers. So that could be a situation where they need kind of a mediator in between. So that could be reason why Kevin O'Connell will be staying with the Rams with the offensive coordinator and not joining Brandon Staley with the Chargers. Listen, the deal is this. <laughs> Sean McVay inherited Jared Goff. Correct. And we have watched Sean McVay not just grow as a coach and as a man, but as a leader, becoming more aware of what he wants with the team that he has. So in his first year, in his first couple of years, he was heavily relying upon the experience of others. But you have seen he has slowly started to take more control of this team and have his personality on it. And there's no greater representation of his personality than the quarterback he sends out there to play. And more and more, he's realizing that he and Jared Goff are not one and the same. And I think that, more than anything else, is the reason why you're beginning to see the frame is that he, his default was to defend all of his players, including golf, because he knew he was a young coach and he could not alienate his locker room because it wasn't his yet. But now it is. He's in control. He's a made man. He has a coaching tree. So he's looking at the head. He's looking at the quarterback and saying, you ain't like me, dog, so I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do with you yet. Am I oversimplifying this? Yeah, LZ, I think a little bit, man, because if, if this was the case, right, if he inherited Jared Goff, right, he only had a chance to, you know, have him for one year, and then he had the uh, his second year with Sean McVay, uh, Jared Goff, you know, had a Pro Bowl year, and they go to the Super Bowl. So if you were confident that he was a quarterback, that's why you give him the contract. If you weren't co- confident – you don't give him that huge, gigantic contract after his third season. You're going to wait a little bit, right? You're going to probably do what the, the Dallas Cowboys did and wait. Now, look, now it, it, happen, it goes differently, right, where the Cowboys realize, okay, we got to pay Dak Prescott, and that's just part of what happens. It'll be a lot, a lot of money. Where the Rams did it early, and now they're sitting there having buyer's remorse because they feel like we've got a lot of money tied up with Jared Goff, and yet – 
we don't even understand. We don't even think that he may be our quarterback for the future. So that's what I think right now is not oversimplifying it. I think that they have to create some type of competition. I think we all saw it this year, and Sean McVay has to look himself in the mirror, right? He said, can I fix this problem, or do I need to go elsewhere? That's what he has to figure out in terms of that quarterback position because right now we all saw it. If there was one position for the Rams that was holding them back, it was the quarterback position. We all saw it. He saw it. You cannot hide it any longer. And so that's what this offseason is about. How do they fix Jared Goff? I would challenge you and say it's not that Jared Goff was holding him back as much as Jared Goff. Tell me. Because it wasn't I was a running go- back position because they well, figured no, that no, out. No, 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 no. Allow me to finish. It wasn't allow a tight end position. The wide receivers did okay. They almost had 1,000 yards. I mean, Jared the offensive well, You can't get 1,000 well, yards as so a wide receiver without a quarterback position. throwing you the ball, man. So I'm going to say, <laughs> I'm just going to simply say this. <laughs> that is not so much as Jared Goff is holding the Rams back is that he lacks the physical talent to propel them forward. And that is the difference between him and like an Aaron Rodgers or a Russell Wilson or even a Deshaun Watson. Quarterbacks who could propel a franchise forward wins championships. Jared Goff isn't holding back. He's not Mitch Trubisky. He's one, I mean, he's not holding them back as much as he's incapable of propelling them forward. I mean, that feels like a semantics argument to me. No, it's not a semantics <laughs> argument at all. It's a difference between a, a game manager and someone who can go out there and do it by himself like Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers don't grow on trees, you know that, right? Yeah, but a game manager, a game manager can also hold you back. Like I think. Yeah, I mean, wasn't Russell Wilson a game manager for the first part of his career? Tom Brady. He morphed into Tom Brady. Exactly. Like you're seeing quarterbacks. You know exactly, which is why I've always managers. said Josh Allen was a game manager, but which is why I've always one of the better said. Hold on, hold on, that's why I've always said that they can win a Super Bowl with Jared Goff. I've always said that. My question has always been whether or not that is satisfactory because a guy who can propel you forward puts you in a position to win multiple Super Bowls. I've always said Jared Goff can win a, to win a Super Bowl, which to your point, guys, yeah, game managers like Russell Wilson his first year, Tom Brady his first year, yeah, Jared Goff can do that. The question is, if he can't grow into something more, do you need to go out and get something more because the goal isn't just to win one, it's to get as many as you can. No, I, I mean, I agree with that. Yeah, you can win one, but I think the Rams, having got to a Super Bowl, and they realize is that, yeah, you know what, we may need to be more dynamic at that position, right? We may need right. to find a different situation if it's out there. And that's the thing about it. You don't want to get too thirsty, right? You know how some dudes just get way too thirsty. you like, I'm about to go get me this, and it's like, no, don't oversell yourself. Don't do that, right? If Jared Goff is the quarterback for this year, you have to try to maximize as much as you can. But when that opportunity presents where you don't mortgage your future, where you can make a trade or you can do something like then if you're the Rams, you have to figure that out. But that being said, they did lose a piece of their college, I mean, of their NFL scouting department, right? Brad Holmes takes over as the new general manager for the Detroit Lions. So you've had some picking away, like, I think there's some bigger issues with the Rams outside of Jared Goff because now you lose your quarterback's coach, Lean Cohen. He's now the offensive coordinator for the Kentucky Wildcat football team. You know, we just talk about Brandon Staley and him going over to the Chargers. So now internally, the Rams got to fix some things going forward before they even get to Jared Goff. So this could be one of the more 
adverse off seasons for I think Sean McVay outside of just the players that he'll have coming back to uh, fill out his roster. All right. Before we let you go, we got time for one more. Uh, what do you expect from the uh, defensive coordinator position? Well, right now the name being circulated is Raheem Morris. I think that's a great hire. I think him and McVay were together in Washington together. And I've always been a big Raheem Morris fan. And look, Atlanta was a, a team that needed a culture change. They got that with Arthur Smith, their new head coach. But Raheem Morris had those guys playing hard. I mean, look, if you didn't know about him, watch the Raiders go to Atlanta and got trampled this year, right? The team that was going to, hopefully going to the playoffs, and yet the Falcons had nothing to play for. Yet they played hard for Raheem Morris. He brings a great mind, excited, enthused, and you're talking about a minority hire, which we know the Rams are really all in on minorities as well, too. So I kind of I like it, right? And you have Aubrey Pleasant, who's still a defensive backs coach, Eric Henderson. You might have a nice little HBCU coaching staff for the Rams if they go and get a Raheem Morris. So I, I like it, um, but because they need somebody with that same kind of energy, that same kind of enthusiasm, the same attention to detail that Brandon Staley brought to this defense. There he is, Kirk Morrison. Check out the Total Coverage Podcast wherever you find your podcast: Google, uh, Spotify, Apple, you name it, man. Yo, Kirk, thank you so much for the time. As always, brother, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, brother. All right, cool, man. Hey, hey uh, last thing before I go, why y'all let Draymond Green lock up Anthony Davis like that? Oh! Oh, oh no! Warriors fan talking smack. Wow. Like, you know, what's going on with AD? It's so he let crazy. Draymond lock him up. So, yeah, y'all I'll get one game over that. 500 and you want to talk smack. <laughs> Ain't that something? Hey, man, hey, you only as good as your last game right now. All right, I'm out. <laughs> All right, man, be good. There it is, Kirk Morrison. All right, speaking of which, coming up next, we're going to get into the Lakers. we got a three-minute break here. We'll be back in just three minutes. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about yesterday and, and, and that issue, actually, that Kirk brought up uh, about the way Draymond impacted the game and Anthony Davis uh, did not impact the game the way that we would have thought. Plus – the Lakers have a barometer game coming up, a test coming up for the first time this season, like a real test now that they are locked in and focused after the Warriors caught their attention. We'll talk about that as well. We're back in three minutes, plus what you need to know. Sedano and LZ, 710 ESPN.